0: Uh, definitely thinking of the Mega Man Skull character.
1: Skull Man. Skull Man. Die Hard Man. <laughs> uh,
0: hot Cold Man. Once
1: again, welcome back to our video game podcast. <laughs> uh,
0: Kojima, how could you?
1: Hello, welcome to Double Issue, (laughs) your game news podcast.
0: Oh no, oh no. We don't have to be a daily show now, do we?
1: Yep, every day.
0: Ugh, ugh. At least games are just a regular trash fire and all you have to do is just like stir at the top every now and again to get a new story.
1: Yeah, no. We don't do games, we do stories in a superhero universe. Yeah, we do. We really do. Yeah, and it's of my opinion that the the larger comics industry, all the comics, all the Marvel movies, it's big stagnation. We're the only things fresh in this pool.
0: I mean, except for all the indie press superheroes.
1: Nope, stagnation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as long as you don't count like you know um, Zines and Dark Horse, still indie. I feel like they're too no.
1: big now. They've got movies.
0: Image. Yeah. Image
1: still small. I don't know. There's like those kind of comic labels are somewhat for indie creators. But yeah. I would I wouldn't call like them and like Oni Press and there's a bunch of different ones like that that are sort of like indie publishers, but not not the company. <laughs> I don't know. Comic book industry is weird.
0: Yeah. We went to a comics panel, though, to learn how to make comics. Yeah. That
1: was fun. It was interesting. Yeah.
0: Heard a Charles Martin talk, and it was at Jerry Bennett.
1: I'm not sure. I can't okay. correct you this time.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it was at uh, the Skirvan. It was really fun.
1: Yeah. So look forward to the double issue comic coming soon. <laughs> oh, That's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> Do we introduce ourselves? Hello, we're double issue i'm quentin i miss you i mean daniel um we're here to rocket you through into a comic book hero universe of our own making yeah a shared
0: universe that we create through stories and talking
1: a story exploration podcast and today we got some stories about you
0: that's right you
1: yep it's the faniversary of our (laughs) podcast
0: is this the first day we had a
1: fan? Yep. One year ago today, June June 3rd, 2018. That's when we're <laughs> recording to date this. Um, we got our first fan. Was it Thank you. <laughs> I don't know when Ian came up. I don't think Ian listened until he was on an episode. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways. um, How do we start these? It's been a while. Uh,
0: yeah. Sometimes we do chatter, just like what we've done this week um i don't really know what to cover uh have you been reading any comics recently
1: no nah, i got a pile over there i need to get through some daredevil and Green Lantern.
0: i was working through preacher some but then i was trying to get caught up on reading so
1: yeah i've been reading real books recently
0: me too real spooky books
1: like i read goosebumps. i well i listened mostly i read a little bit uh, the Thief by Megan Whalen Turner. Have you heard about that? The title sounds familiar, but not the writer. The Queen's Thief is like a five-book series. Yeah, a five-book series. And I've heard some good things. I did not like it. <laughs> huh. It's like a YA book set in like a fictional version of uh, Greece, Roman-type empire, with... A similar sort of pantheon and technology level, although they also have, like, guns. Not good guns, but very early type guns. It was interesting, huh. but I hated it near the end. So... oh, It's a short read, so... You might as well, if that setting sounds interesting, about a thief in that setting, but...
0: I read a story about a thief, but it was um Terry Pratchett's Pyramids... It was fun. Uh, it's a Discworld novel. Hmm. I guess it always seems like a lot happens in Discworld novels. And then I'll read one, and I'm like, they just kind of talked and walked around, didn't they? <laughs> Which isn't bad at all. It's just whenever I go back through the story in my head, it's like, huh, just silly things sort of happened. And then we got to an end.
1: Yeah. So we've both had interesting reads recently.
0: The one other exciting thing is I've been trying to finish Breath of the Wild finally. Ooh. Yeah, I put it on hold for like six months.
1: Define finish. Um, two more sacred beasts and
0: a master sword yet to go.
1: You're not gonna go for all the shrines. I mean, I am. I just haven't got to go yet. for every seed
0: eventually. Ooh. I think at this point, I almost would have to do a second playthrough, and on that playthrough, just have a map up and just go systematically, seed to seed, shrine to shrine. I don't know. Yeah, because otherwise, say, you're just footing it across the entire continent.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the fun part is eventually I'll pick that game back up and I've completed all the beasts and I did the final boss, but I didn't do, like, the final ending. I still got the DLC to go through, but there's still a lot of shrines in the world that I can find and seeds that I can just randomly go around and pick up. I feel like eventually I'll just come back to that world that's mostly conquered.
0: (laughs) I do appreciate now that I have a whole lot of stamina, that the game has basically become mountain climbing the game for me. I just... Pick them out and go walking.
1: Yeah. It's a great game to wander through. Yeah. So on this podcast, this gaming podcast, we tell comic book stories and we want to get you to those as fast and as frequent as we can. So here's two hot, fast ones coming right at you.
0: Oh yeah. Service
1: up, Quentin. Starting with me, you. You was, you was the prompt. We did these in second person. <laughs> Enjoy. Ages by Quentin A. Pongratz. You open your eyes and see it again, the entrance to the maze. Before you is the sum total of all that's left of existence. Besides, of course, the matter making up you, if your matter even really exists here. You've never been too sure of the metaphysics of the whole thing. You've stopped seriously pondering the bigger questions long ago. All that's left to do is to get to work. So you enter, your feet sinking into the colored sand that litters the maze. You stoop down and sift through a bit of the sand at your feet. The grains span every color imaginable, and then some. You don't see your color in the rainbow spread before you, so you take off your shirt and flatten it on top of the sand. Then you scoop sand from beside and start to bury the shirt. The edges of the shirt begin to get lost amongst the sand you've piled before you stop. You've been hoping in your digging you would have reached the bedrock, but no such luck. You find the edges of your shirt and start gathering them as gently as you can manage. You lose some sand but are able to create a makeshift bindle. You know it will break before you reach the center, but sand transported any distance will end up being progress mostly. The sand beneath you shifts under your feet as you try not to get too engrossed in the twists and turns you take. You choose turns at a whim. You hit dead ends. You double back. You run your hand along the wall in boredom. Your shirt drops its sand and you stop to reassemble it. The day has turned to night and the night into day so many times that even if you had been counting, you would have lost count by now. You knew it wasn't a real sun and moon that chased one another in the sky above the maze, but you did wonder if it marked time in a way you were familiar with. It doesn't hurt to wonder about the mysteries of this place, but you know it doesn't help either. Not really. Your thoughts won't distract you enough and you'll end up learning the paths of the maze and once you do the walls will shift however long it takes you make it to the center a circular room with a well at its center a wooden shelf and chalkboard hang from the wall on the shelf is a piece of chalk that will never shorten a small plastic pail and shovel from a beach playset, and an empty glass jar your break room when endless nothingness rules your existence sometimes it's nice to have a sit down not now though it's still early you take your shirt and drop it into the well It would carry more than the pail on the shelf, but it will continue to break whereas the bucket will not. You had tried so many different ways of carrying more than the pail will allow, but everything else breaks down sooner or later. The more it can carry, the sooner it will do so. You recall a time you tried to push all the sand to the center, got down real low and made scoops out of your hands and just plowed forward. It would have tired you out with so much more than any normal method, but you don't get tired here. You were using the rules of this place against itself, you thought. But the maze shifted, and that pile of sand you had moved so efficiently was suddenly at a dead end, and further from the center. You think this is part of the punishment, though why exactly you're being punished is something you could never pinpoint. You leave the pail on the shelf and start grabbing handfuls of the prismatic sand and tossing them towards the well. You like to get the center cleaned up first. You'll continue to trail sand back in here, so it's pointless to get the room pristine, but you've found after many times, the effects of coming back to a spot where you can actually see the floor does wonders for the mental side of this eternity. Every handful you grab, you sift through to see if you recognize any of your own. You know the color of your grains by heart, but you would find it difficult to describe the color to anyone. Each hue is a different person, and there are a lot of people in the universe. The difference between each was vast and insignificant, but with enough time you've learned yours at least. After who knows how many handfuls of sand you toss into the well, you find one of yours. You wonder which one and take a guess. You're never right, but you know eventually by sheer chance you'll get one and that moment of joy and being correct will be so, so good. You rummage through your memories and try to pick something small and insignificant. The first one is never a big one salting some scrambled eggs and taking another bite to find out you overdid it you nod you take the grain of sand and put it on your tongue tugging on your lip while tapping a pencil on a piece of paper trying to think of what to write next you got it wrong oh well you stand up and walk over to the glass jar on the shelf you pull it off and spit into it no liquid in this place so out rockets the single grain which clinks around the jar before settling at the bottom you put it back on the shelf and get back to work You can taste any of the moments on the ground, but you've learned it's a dangerous gamble. So much pain and misery in the universe you could step into. Of course, the majority of it is small pieces of boredom. On the first few goes, when you sampled more freely, how many sips of coffee did you encounter? How many moments of someone scratching an itch on their leg, or taking a few steps during a walk from one moment to another? At least when you tasted your own memory, there was no real surprise to it. You get back to work and slowly empty the room of most of the sand surrounding the well. You start to wonder how you should go about cleaning the maze this time. Start here and work outward is what you usually default to, but you remember once it was fun to clear out the middle of every hall and create a sort of walk path. Perhaps that one deserves another go. Nearly done with the room, you toss another handful into the well. The well greets the sand with a grumble. You sigh. You got distracted. You wonder which one was the culprit maybe stretching in the dark after waking up. You take a step back from the wall and wait. The rainbow sand you had deposited so far geysers out of the well. Flying into the air, and reflecting the light of the fake sun, the sight would be pretty if it didn't mean the undoing of all your work so far. You wait for the well to stop its emissions. Floating in the air above the opening of the well is a single grain of sand. Your sand. You grab it and put it in your mouth. Her lips touch yours for two seconds before she retreats. You lick your lips and taste milk. Was that taste already on your lips, or did she deliver that to you? You walk over and spit the grain into the glass jar. You look over to the chalkboard. and now has writing on it. 4. No part of you is permitted to enter the well before all other moments have been deposited. I know the rules! You scream at the board. The chalk marks on the board fade away. And a new message appears, a line at a time. 8. Communication is only allowed through use of this board. If communication is limited, how did you know to send that after I spoke aloud? You know the answer before the board refreshes. You've been down this fruitless road before. You stomp through the sand that just fell back down and grab the chalk off the shelf. You vent your frustration into an obscene drawing. Your lines fade from the board once you've stopped, and a word appears in its place. Noted. You start over. All the sand in the room should now be free of your moments, but you still check each handful you throw into the well. Never let your guard down in this place, a lesson you will be reminded of if you forget it for even a moment. You work. The sun and moon cycle round for an eternity or two. The sand in your glass jar fills up like the slowest hourglass in the universe. Moments of digging into a warm pumpkin pie. The smell of grass on a summer day carried by a light breeze. Stubbing your toe. Taking a punch straight to the face from Minotaur. Feeling an alien sun on your skin. Rubbing the ridges on the edge of a coin before putting it into a vending machine. The pain of an arrow entering your shoulder. The joy of winning a card game. How many moments is your life? How many mean anything? As you continue to loop through existence, will your grains begin to take over the maze? The more existential and philosophical your mind gets, the longer you know it's been since you've started. But you stay careful. You don't let another one of your grains enter the well and reboot everything. You keep working. More and more of the floor bears itself to you. Eventually the board communicates with you again. A number. It's a countdown for how many grains you have left out there in the wilds. Still over a lifetime of work if you were to translate it to actual time, but what is time here? You keep working. You scour the maze in its unpredictable path. You find small hills you haven't yet depleted. You scour the cracks between the rocks that make up the walls and floor. No grain is irretrievable. Some just take more time. It's in one of these cracks you find the grain you had been dreading. It's just like all the rest of your sand in appearance, and that's how it always gets you. The defining moment. You never know you've got it until you put it on your tongue. Most moments are just that. A moment. A glimpse. A feeling. A fleeting experience that comes and goes just as fast as the experience. But this one is a subset of infinity, which is itself infinite. You tread along the endless sands. These all that uniform golden browned under the relentless sun. Have you been walking for days or just hours? You can't tell, but your body protests going any further. You've been out of water for so many steps at this point. You finger the charm hanging around your neck. An orb with, perhaps pointless, adornments. Inside the orb, water. Glorious water. You could open it up, pull the cork, and drain the water into your mouth. You stop walking and imagine what the water must taste like at this point. If you don't drink the water, you'll die anyway, so it's probably fine to tempt the fates and brave whatever the charm is supposed to keep from getting you. You put the orb to your lips. Water separated from you by a thin layer of glass and nothing else. You shudder. With anticipation or with fear of whatever the trinket is keeping at bay. You let go and let it dangle once again from your neck. You keep walking, and just before you collapse, you see the well. The simple stone well has neither a top to keep sand from entering it, nor a bucket for retrieval of what's inside. You lean over the edge and swear you can hear screaming, but you see nothing save an endless darkness. You push yourself up from the well and step back. A small chalkboard is propped up against the side with something written on it. What do you desire? It asks. You pick it up and wipe away the question, though not entirely. You take the chalk attached and write the two words that lock in your fate. To live. You would be crying at the memory, but there is no liquid in this place. Your body still makes the motions as if you were sobbing. You spit the grain out into your hand and carry it back to the jar. Then you aimlessly wander the maze for a bit before getting back to work. How many years did you spend in quiet contemplation of just that one moment? You keep working. The number on the chalkboard decreases slowly and steadily until it reaches zero. It's just you and your sand now. You take the pail and shovel you had been using and put them back in their places on the shelf. You take the chalk and write some obscenities towards whatever receives the messages. The words fade and the word noted appears in their place. You grab the full glass jar and set it on the side of the well. You climb onto the side with it. You pause. Your legs dangling into that same darkness you looked down into at the start. Then you pitch forward with an arm wrapped around the jar and fall into the abyss. You hear vast crumbling noises from above and the light that showed where you were falling from ceases to be. Are you even falling anymore? Then the jar in your arm disappears. Then you're close. Are you standing? Down at your feet is the charm you wore around your neck to get to the well the first time. It's the last thing you will ever touch. It's the last thing you always touch. In the distance, you see the well again. You look the other direction and see where the charm began its journey. A pedestal. As far as you can tell, you just need to get this to the well to end it all. The problem comes that you cease to exist shortly after touching the orb. Each iteration, you can only move it a few steps before dropping it again. You stoop down and grab it. The pain starts immediately and you stumble forward with the cursed object a few steps before it tumbles out of your grip. The pain reaches your head and you grit your teeth. The world turns to white. The light is blinding. You remember wincing the first times you experienced it, but you know it's coming now. You fight your body and try to keep your eyes open as long as possible. Tears well in your eyes. Or maybe they don't. No liquid, of course. You fight against your eyelids, but after some time the light is replaced with darkness. Did you close your eyes, or did the light just end? You feel your body again. Your legs and arms constricted, buried, you suspect. Something shifts across your face. You open your eyes and see the familiar blue sky of Earth, obscured by only wispy clouds and the branches of trees which have shed their leaves. Then you say what you've always said and always will say to start it all back into motion once more. It's been an eon. The end. For now. And we're back. Uh,
0: I feel had.
1: <laughs> I think you should feel have because now you are richer.
0: Oh, wait, that's dirty. <laughs> dirty trick. But yeah, that entire story, I thought it was Klepsomia the whole time. Oh. So I was like, she deals with sand. This must be like sand world or havers that we've talked about. Yeah. And then at the very end, just, oh, it's an eon story. <laughs> Yeah. I like that he just pops up in stories and just,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> but really, he's got a pained eternal existence.
0: Oh. <laughs> and every time somebody murders an eon, he just has to go back?
1: Yeah. Oh, Yeah. I don't know if he gets murders or just goes to sleep for a bit or what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, so- he's just constantly looping the timeline. <laughs> okay. Is
0: he, like, cursed because of something with the amulet orb? I guess he doesn't remember.
1: He doesn't know. It's well-related. I tied it in with the well. Oh, that well. Yeah, the power well. That's I was like, right. you know, we've already got two immortal characters from the power well. Maybe yeah. that's what the well does. It's just like a time well. Yeah. I don't know. It seemed like a weird way to add gravity to a silly character. Yeah. I was this close to doing a story about Ronnie Rage as you. <laughs> We are all Ronnie Ridge and getting like my, my goal with that one was to get like halfway through the story before I did the voice <laughs> where you're just, who am I? Like that, that's mainly what I wanted to do with this. I wanted to take the you concept and go, who am I? I also, are any of us, I, I thought about doing like small vignettes and just being the top, my story being, who are you? <laughs> and doing like a paragraph or two where I put you in someone's shoes and then say, Who are you? But those are the stories that will never be. Oh. Because I did this one.
0: We could always revisit the the you theme eventually.
1: Nope, I already burned those concepts. (laughs) We hit La Rosa like six times. They live in your imagination now. You, the viewer, the listener. They live in your imagination. Oh.
0: Uh, I was going to mention that the line... The differences between infinities is vast and just,
1: damn, and insignificant. Yeah, that's
0: one of those big philosophy things that I think people get really hung up on. But I feel like I don't know. It feels like a really nice thing is people are like, oh, like space is so big. How do you feel significant? And it's just that's a good thing. Like you don't want to be the hero of the story who has to sacrifice it all. Yeah, I mean, ideally,
1: it. I was. Thinking of while writing this story, the the fact that if you take numbers and you just start counting up, like one, two, three, and you just go on forever, that's infinity. Yeah. But then if you take only the even numbers and you say two, four, six, eight, and you keep counting forever, that's also infinity. And they're the same amount because yeah. for every value in one, you you have a value in the other forever. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there is no, mathematically, there is no difference between those two. But it's like, on a fundamental level, you think, but one of them's half as big. <laughs> but, but they both go on forever. And so, there's like a vast difference between the two infinities. But also, it, it's nothing, because they both go on forever. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a joke about a mathematician and an engineer playing a game show. And the game show host says, for every question you get right, you'll move half as close to the pedestal with a pie on it. And for every question you get wrong, you move half as far the distance back. And the mathematician thinks for a second, just gives up. It's like, I'll never reach the pedestal because I'll only get half as close every time. And the engineer's like, I'm still in because I'll get as close enough to eat the pie.
1: Yeah. Math is good. Yeah. I love math.
0: Oh, that silly bunt. Math. Yeah. Yeah you have any other inspirations for it
1: um I was thinking how big space was and it was scary because of the three body problem and I was like and I was just I mean that tweet like cosmic horror is (laughs) is just imagine an old and big thing and I was like okay I imagined it and then they say well this is older and bigger (laughs) and I get scared (laughs) I don't know, just imagine how long time could be, and then that's only one one little bit of moving the orb slightly closer to the well. <laughs> but yeah, it was just kind of like contemplating vastness and scale from Three-Body Problem and Outer Wilds delves into it some.
0: It does remind me that your description of the sand I really liked because it made me think of those sand bottle things you make it like the state fair where Mm. like you pour in different colors yeah but if you're like me you just mix them all up and shake them up really good and it just becomes like a purple gray yeah i was like yeah just a real gross purple world and then you pick up the pieces you can see the different colors
1: yeah i imagine it would be a little more magical than that right like you can somehow simultaneously see all the distinct colors all at once and it's overwhelming but yeah
0: like, staring at a Lisa Frank notebook for too long, and you just stop seeing the colors, but you know intrinsically it's magical.
1: Looking. Yeah, you do, you see the infinities of the 80s.
0: <laughs> this is a Trapper Keeper, but for your mind. One last thing on your story was, it made me think, with some of the imagery of Bandersnatch from Blackmere.
1: Mirror. Mm. I don't
0: well, that's know, I guess... A-
1: that's a show where you decide what happens.
0: Yeah, that was the other half of what made me think of that. <laughs> it's all about you. But just like the mazes and things.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Or slightly um, labyrinth. Labyrinthy. So with each grain, is it just like if you just had an hourglass going, that's how many grains fall a second? Or is each grain like a good section of time? Because I guess you said one was infinite.
1: Yeah, I think it's like each grain what it represents is that what you're asking
0: yeah like or how much time is each grain
1: or they're different amounts of times but each grain is just a moment in someone's oh. life so like we're both creating grains all throughout this podcast yeah and it's just both of our experiences just little snippets of it like so does me, that mean me accidentally dropping my phone on my face is a grain When I'm like in bed lying backwards and reading it and holding the phone above my head and then just dropping it (laughs) straight onto my face. That's, that's a green. I hate that
0: because every time I do that, I'm just like, why did I, I know how to hold things.
1: How (laughs) did I forget
0: how to do that for a moment?
1: I never like flinch harder than when I do that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, I'm sure if I had a camera set up to show how my body moves in those moments, I dang did it again <laughs> <laughs>
0: that just reminds me I used to um, have very vivid falling dreams Oh, and whenever like because I was having a bunch of just dream problems on a kid but whenever I had the falling ones I would sit straight up in bed and it was like with so much force that I was like trying to like almost stand up yeah and I just oh. remember that just being like Meh, and it's the same feeling when I drop my
1: phone oh well, yeah wanna get to end to your story yeah Let's do it.
0: Henchman for today, by Daniel J. Poole. You start your day as you have started every day. You awake before dawn to the barracks alarm system blaring. You and 49 of your squad mates wash, dress, and eat in synchronized motions. Besides slight variations in height and bulk, you are all identical in your black jumpsuits. A fish bowl shaped plastic steel blast helmet hides your features. A cloudy coating makes the world outside muted. Your squad looks like a stream of bubbles bouncing down the halls of mount doom your unit is just one of a few dozen that work for shadow doom with the exception of the scientist being held prisoner there's no one else stationed here you haven't actually seen the boss since his rousing speech at convocation he sounds exactly like every other villain you've worked for charismatic with a world-saving plan that requires stopping a single superhero. At least his nemesis is Amy Dangerous. This assignment should be notable, or at the very least, quick. Today you're stationed to watch the perimeter. The mountain base is located at the newly formed Arctic Volcano Cluster. The only action you've seen since starting was the ice heroes trying to refreeze the area. Thick drifts of snow clash with dull reds of the lava flow. Now the watch is boring, as there's nothing else but white snow and the same slow-moving lava as the day before. Your watch partner, Chuck, keeps trying to tell you about this book he's been reading. Countdown to Smackdown, My Heel Turn. At first you were interested. It sounded like fun. It talked about Count Smackdown's early days as a super fighter. It gets a little boring after his first arrest. Chuck, however, seized your interest and won't stop talking about wrestling now. He has even given you moment by moment updates about his progress in the book. He spoiled the big reveal that the Count only turned evil because he's cornered by Guardian Garth. Now Chuck keeps saying he's gonna be a wrestler. He says he's going to start a CrossFit routine. For real this time. He keeps trying to get you to join. You're starting to lose your temper with him. How could he just keep going on like this, you wonder? As you're preparing to yell at him, there's a flash of light in the darkness ahead of your post. Chuck calls it in, but he doesn't actually seem like he's interested. He says it's probably just another drone from the lab testing the perimeter defenses. Deactivated drones litter the facility mounted sonic turrets on the base pick the robots off easily you walk to where the flash was pristine snow gives away to scorch marks and a pair of smoking boots you squeeze your walkie-talkie to report to chuck but something catches your attention feeling of being watched makes your blood run colder than the ice on your helmet you spin around two heroes smile back one disappears right in front of your eyes while the other becomes three copies of the same person All four punch you at once. You start your day as you've started every day. You awake a little after dawn to the bugler blaring rubbery. You and 31 of your squad mates wash, dress, and eat as you have time. Besides slight variations in uniform color, you're all similar in your robotic armor steel Skull helmets cover your heads. The red displays make Skull Complex look like a Virtual Boy game. The armor is left over from the 80s and it's in need of repair. Combined with the red displays, it makes working for Skull King feel like you're stuck in a poorly rendered video game. Your unit is just one of two that work at Skull Complex, with the exception of journalists being held prisoner. No one else is stationed here. You haven't actually seen Skull King since his boring speech orientation He sounds nothing like any other villain you've worked for. He has a dull money-making scheme that requires stopping a single hero. At least his nemesis is Guardian Garth. This assignment will at least be quiet, since he's retired. Today you're stationed to watch the perimeter. The subterranean base is located in the Ash Barrens. The only action you've seen since starting was the kaiju passing through to the Citadel. Thick drifts clash with the vibrant yellows of the city lights. Your watch is boring. There's nothing but gray rubble as the day before. Your watch partner, Chuck, keeps telling you about this book he's reading, My Magnificent Malice An Era of Evil with Baron Von Kill. At first you were interested, but now you realize you've experienced all this before. It feels so familiar like deja vu or tuna casserole two days in a row. feels distinct, yet so close to a dream. You tell Chuck to stuff it. You listen to the barons. A flash of light grabs your attention. This time you call in back up. You run to whether you saw the light, but this time you don't wait to turn. You fire at two people hiding behind a pile of broken cinder blocks. You shoot at two copies of Split she cries out and collapses back in on herself you turn to shoot double take but your skull ray's gone you're holding a copy of Count Smackdown's biography you stare at the cover in disbelief you realize your helmet's missing too hey dummy says double take you turn in time to catch the butt of your skull ray to your temple You start your day as you started every day. You wake around noon to the notification on your smartwatch. Norman Moss sends a group text with a bunch of emojis and a list of duties for the day. You and your two roommates wash, dress, and eat at your leisure. Besides slight variations in floral prints, you all wear similar aloha shirts. Under the lenses of your anti-glare goggles, the hideout is tinted yellow. There's a softness to the world that makes you think of old martial arts movies. A notification buzzes on your wrist. It's your turn to watch the front gate. No, 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 you think. Not again. I can't keep doing this. What's happening? You're trapped in a forever cycle of waking, dying, and rebirth. You know you've experienced this day before. You know what happens when you leave your post. I have to break the cycle. You say to yourself, Hey, number four. I just got a copy of Ronnie Rage's biography in. You want to borrow it after I finish? Asks number nine. I don't have time, Chuck. Can't you see that I'm caught in that time loop? Number nine looks confused. Scared even. You sort of lost your temper. This will require mediation with human resources. You push that out of your mind. So along with your impractical break room chair shaped like a giant hand. You flee. You have to get out. You're running now. Not toward the front doors, but away. There is a theoretical science lab near one of the Zen gardens. They can tell you how to break the cycle. Your company issued smartwatch is buzzing harder now. It feels angry. You try to take it off, but the band is self tightening feeling in your hand slowly slips away as it becomes increasingly tighter. The blood pumping through your body now beats out of rhythm to your hand. A throbbing metronome ticks with each step. The doors to the theoretical physics lab burst open as you kick them. Dr. Aurelius blinks through a pair of goggles that enlarge his eyes tenfold at you. He does not say anything. Instead, the small scientist takes your deadening hand and pulls you towards a series of chambers. He shoves you inside and steps back. Pressing a large red button, you feel pulled apart. A sound like a jet engine made of glass exploding reverberates through your bones as the chamber shakes. You feel like your mind is on railroad tracks that split across four lanes. You see the scientist from four perspectives. Looking down at your hands, you have four sets. Each hand is superimposed over the other, like broken 3D glasses. Everything is slightly out of focus. The hands feel like yours. They are yours. They are your hands. There are four of you, but really there is only one. You know your past and presences. But they are all overlapping, commingling in the same way a dream evaporates in the morning. The doctor nods and says, As I predicted, you are a thin section of reality. Your other cells have crossed between possibilities enough that you've been slipping between them, haven't you? Yes, that is it. This is wonderful. With you, I should be able to isolate the frequency you're using to move between temporal pathways. He slapped his forehead. But first, I should get my chronometer destabilizer. That'll help your disorientation and should remove your discomfort. The scientist runs from the room. You hear his shoes clicking on the floor until they fade into the distance. Then a silent crack of thunder shakes you, all of you. In front of you, is a pair of costume heroes. You recognize them, split and double-take. They are pro-heroes, but not really on Norman Mosses or Skull King's or Shadow Doom's list of heroes that they fight. However, you remember now, they are who have been knocking you out. Well, three of you at least. What does number one do for a living? Credit Collections Officer for student loans? That's right. Just about the same thing as a minion for a super evil villain. Well three of you think in unison nearly but you are still uncomfortable being related temporally there you are
1: we can still salvage this mission quick double take help me find a release switch
0: split says double take is still looking through all the names on the control panel they're all acronyms how can there be this many acronyms for a temporal holding cell all the use watch the heroes work split multiplies runs to your chambers and says sorry about this We needed to learn more about my condition. You're the only other case of this condition we've ever heard about. We'll get you out. The four of yourself see Dr. Orlus return. He's holding a large metal pincer claw connected to a glowing blue rifle. It has a series of tubes running to a backpack. He squeezes the trigger and the claws spin faster. My apologies, friend. But I'm not taking new patients at the moment. I should have known known you were behind Professor Ouroboros, the splits say. Ouroboros pushes up his glasses and says, I am a victim of timing. Double-taken, the three splits fly into action. They take wide swings at the scientist and a dazzling shower of punches and kicks. The older scientist daftly dodges them like they're moving in slow motion. He makes a stab at Split. The claw swipes through her. You see her try to rejoin her clone, only to smack into herself. The pair stare at one another in confusion. Double Take slaps a button on the control panel, and the glass chambers open for the four of you. But out of second thought, all the copies of yourself fling themselves at Ouroboros. Double Take and the splits fall back. They shimmer and fade, but have trouble shifting out of the timeline. Your fist connects with the professor and his claw passes through yours. You feel the connection to your other yous evaporate. Now each of you is singular, individual. Everything melts into blackness. You started your day as you've started every day since as long as you can remember. You awaken in your room as. You always have. You wash, dress, and eat in the same way you always do. You had the strangest dream about superheroes and supervillains. It all seemed so real. Like it really happened. You know that is silly, though. Those only exist in comics. You are yourself, and not for other people. You are who you are, and not the henchman for an evil overlord or loan financer. Or are you? You're still sleepy-eyed. The world is just as it's ever been for you. As you prepare for your day, you think you see a, a pair of people watching you from just outside your vision. You turn to see them, but it was just your imagination. Everything is normal. Just like all the times before, at least for you. The end for now.
1: And we're back. Whoa. I really liked it I uh, You're actually advancing the lore of the show
0: <laughs> You advanced the lore We got some Eon backstory
1: uh, It was like a vast and insignificant <laughs> portion of the story <laughs> Now we got some more split and double take like characters we actually care about <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta do another weird villain origin story like uh what's that one? Norman Moss's background. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For uh, Doctor Ouroboros.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's my next story. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna really dial into what makes Doctor or is it Professor or Doctor? Uh I think I'm, Doctor I have my note. Professor Ouroboros or Oroz- oh. Ouro, however you say this word. Ouroboros. Good luck reading it.
0: Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, I'm just going to pick, and that's how it's like, coming out. So like Archibald,
1: we're going to have Professor Orbers. Ouroboros.
0: What was it? Oh, there was some newscaster the other week, and he was like, he was reporting a really serious story, but he's like, horror tonight as another mass suicide or mass shooting in yeah, um, yep. <laughs> just in the middle of the story. It's just, dude. Did Did no one coach you on that?
1: What's that one? Lisa shared. It's like the woman just completely whiffing, reading a random name. <laughs> Mega doodoo. Oh yeah. I got. I'm gonna spice that in. <laughs>
0: gathered today to say their final goodbyes to this fallen Louisville
1: police officer DD mega <laughs>
0: But no, it was just horrifying because he was giving a very straightforward talk and then just nope, that's not how you say that city name
1: but yeah uh no, it was a it was a I knew about your concept going in that it was uh, like this guy keeps waking up or this character it could be you could be male or female whoever's listening oh yeah mine's a specific character but yours is kind of a a amorphous you which actually fits the the prompt a little better i think uh but it was neat how that actually tied into a villain oh yeah like I, i don't i don't know what i was expecting but i didn't even think of that side of it I started out on this
0: because I wanted to be super lazy, and I thought it'd be really gross to repeat the same section a couple of times. (laughs) And I was like, a time loop would do that really well. And so I did that, and I was like, well, now I feel like I found something else to talk about here. So this story was really terrible, first draft.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we get a little bit more split and double take, which is always fun. Yeah. I, I felt a bit of like... Venture Brothers inspiration in this? Was that yeah. any of it? So you asked that and I was like, what no?
0: And I was thinking it's like, I think that's right when I started rewatching Venture Brothers is when I wrote this.
1: So <laughs> I think there when is some in there. Especially when they're calling each other by numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I went. Wait a second.
0: <laughs> well, and especially as the minions get more and more low key. I think yeah. it gets more venture brothery.
1: Yeah, I want to call out this line here. Um, Ouroboros pushes up his glasses and says, "I'm just a victim of timing." Eh, terrible, it's terrible. <laughs> but I did. I did. I don't know. I really liked how it actually wasn't just in second person. It was the the actually you. Oh yeah. At, at the end, I went, "Oh shoot, that me." <laughs> You, listening to this podcast, you look over, see split and double take. Look at me. Now look back at
0: your podcast. Now look back at me.
1: Yeah, it was very fun. Oh, thanks. Now I can take Professor Orosporos and do a weird time thing with him. (laughs) In my villain exploration of the week. I appreciate
0: that um, he's just like a sub-villain too. So he's just out there to
1: play with. How do you mean sub-villain? Uh, like... He has a submarine as a vehicle? I mean,
0: now he does, obviously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but what, what did you mean?
0: Oh, like, since he's just, like, a villain that works for another villain?
1: Oh. See, I didn't... I, I wasn't sure I was reading that as he's a villain that works for other villain. I, I, I figured he had just, like, infiltrated working for another villain and was doing a plan all on his own. Oh.
0: On second reading. I mean, that could be true, actually.
1: Yeah. I don't yeah. know.
0: That's a, a question to follow up on later.
1: In my detailed character study of <laughs> Dr. Orlis. Yeah. You, you can see me coming a mile away with my stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you but know I'm going to get all of them a dumb, weird BS. <laughs> <laughs> so do we get any more? Like, it, it was kind of hinting at more from Double Take and Split. But I don't know if we learned much more about them, really. Yeah, I
0: think the big nugget of more we get from them is that they're using their powers again Mm. together, and I think that's as big of a yeah as it needs to be.
1: And I think it kind of solidifies a thing we had talked, you had talked about before, but hadn't really put into a story. I guess that their powers are related, how their powers are kind of related, and yeah, to a similar thing, and. This is giving a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and that's really all I wanted to dip a toe in for them on that.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Let's go over the villains you have here. Shadow Doom, Skull King, and... uh, Norman Ross? Moss? Norman Moss. Yeah. We know the most about Norman Moss because I did a whole origin story. Yeah, and we (laughs) have If you'll you'll remember. (laughs) A world
0: build with him in it.
1: Yeah. Shadow Doom was... Isn't that Immortal Reggie?
0: Yeah, that's his villain persona when he's undercover. Okay. And so I was kind of trying to set this up to where you could you could make the choice of whether each of these three instances are their own timeline mm-hmm. that occurs separately. Okay. So either all three of these people are doing their own supervillain hideout thing, or just one of them at a time, or none of them, because at the end you wake up in your own bed. But yeah. okay. I think I'm kind of under the idea that each one of these is an actual like villain working somewhere. And the difference is whether or not your agency placed you with them that week, like your temp agency.
1: Yeah. And I know we've mentioned Skull King before, but who were they in relation to? I think
0: they were one of the evil wrestlers. Okay. We just, I think, threw them out as a villain for somebody in the villain's episode.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if there was more for that or just that right now. If this is just kind of their only on-screen thing so far.
0: Yeah, I think that's their only appearance.
1: Amy Part 2. Amy and Garth fight Skull King. Count Smackdown and Baron Von Kill in the Ring.
0: Yeah, so it's a Hildy and Garth villain.
1: But yeah, so this is their first like in story appearance yeah yeah cool cool yeah
0: so no real hard facts about them yeah i just like the idea that all their minions wear like white skull motorcycle helmets that i just feel like would be super uncomfortable yeah uh oh but i also i figured this would open up some some time possibilities for later plant some seeds for that
1: So that wraps us up today. Yeah. We have this thing called recommendations. Yeah. And I want to shout out Outer Wilds. It's a video game that just came out and it's very good. It's like exploration, puzzly, survival-ish game. Huh. Like if you had missed but a spaceship and less huh. explicit puzzles, more like environmental reading puzzles. I don't really want to spoil anything about it really, but if uh exploring a little spaceship out in the out through a little galaxy sounds fun, then it is. <laughs>
0: well cool. I was gonna plug my own personal thing. I made a Game Boy game last week and it's up on Itchio for free. And it's called Zug. And it's very loud. Yeah, beware.
1: <laughs> so turn down your audio. Whenever that comes up. If you saw Daniel's tweet about fish, I think this is where it is. Yeah. It I was tweeting here.
0: about fish all last week. But Yeah. It's cool because you could actually run it off on a ROM, throw it on a Game Boy cartridge, and actually play it on the original hardware. So it was really fun to try to make it with all those limitations. But uh, I also just wanted to throw out that you should go play Bars by Super Try also on Itch.io. And it's just a better version of the kind of games I make. <laughs> Like it works and it's fun.
1: Yeah. R by Lisa Prather. You can find her Instagram on Instagram.com slash Lisa Prather art.
0: Email us at double issue show at gmail dot com. You could follow me on Twitch at Gware G Y W A I R.
1: And you could find me on Instagram at twitter dot com slash Quentin Pongrats.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got WordPress, we got Discord, Facebook, Twitter website.
1: Yeah, come in our Discord. We got Ian in here. He dropped a link about how there's a real life battle maiden. Oh not really. He oh. there's a TED talk about uh like techno tattoos. Uh which that's cool could do not probably not all of the magic that Battle Maidens tattoos can do, but they are more functional than regular tattoos.
0: Oh speaking of I got a non functional tattoo. Well it has I... a
1: it has a function. Oh. And that's to let others know that you're in the VFD. That's right. A very effing defunct organization. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> way to get a tattoo way too late.
0: <laughs> it's not my fault I was born in the wrong fictional decade.
1: <laughs> Someone else will read the song credits. One of us. Because oh. uh, we'll have songs in our stories, I assume. We haven't done oh, those yeah. parts yet. Anyways... Uh, In approximately two weeks We're doing an approximate schedule now um, Approximately two weeks We'll have some sort of world build I don't know what what it'll be Maybe we'll dig deep into Professor Ouroboros (laughs) We can figure it out Yeah, we'll figure it out You'll see You will see (laughs) See you next time
0: Goodbye Hello It's you but like, from a different reality? Or maybe... Oh no, it's the future. It's future you. Hey, listen. Listen to yourself. Listen. Hey, listen to me. These are the credits for the show. And since you're reading them, if you get any of these wrong, really it's your fault. I'm, I'm just... The Messenger Today's songs were Free Harmonics by the Free Harmonics Orchestra Camille Saint Dance moukab by Kevin McLeod and Camille Saint Dance Macab Finale by Kevin McLeod Shadow by Evan Schaefer. Shake a Skull by Steve Combs. Swamp Crawl by The Crips. And Sword Fight, Are We Still in a Dream? by Monsupplier. Now, these have been you reading the credits. Good job, you.
1: Blow and co-founder of Three Knots, Sam Brown, have a conversation about how the indie game scene has evolved and changed throughout the years, and why Blow believes that things haven't progressed all that much since the 80s. Blow consolidated that success in 2016 with The Witness, but feels the initial promise of that heady time has gone unfulfilled, stating that game development has stagnated in the years since. Ugh, what a bad take. Do you see this garbage thing Jonathan Blow said? (laughs) Remember when Braid came out and there were like two good indie games you could play? (laughs) Well,
0: that's what I got so excited for whenever Minecraft was first coming out. it's like, yeah, now there's going to be indie games and they can be super awesome and get popular. And then Notch became terrible. It's just why? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Why couldn't you just be normal, Notch, and not be terrible?
1: For example, I was looking through a video game magazine, and there's a large image on that page from some um, upcoming RPG, a single-player RPG that everyone was, was excited about. The screenshot was like a bridge with some guards, typical RPG scene. The design of the bridge, I could tell now that it was thinking about now that I was thinking about this, was like a tiny footbridge, but it had been scaled up about 10 times. It was just like this massive tiny footbridge, and it just looked naive. What?
0: He just dropped out.
1: Not repeating that.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, but now he's moved on to creating a new programming language as a replacement for C++. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, he's been doing that on stream. Oh, okay. I think he's good at what he do, but yeah. I think his way of thinking about the world uh, isn't as profound as he would like to believe. (laughs) Yeah. I think Braid was amazing. The Witness was amazing. But when you walk around The Witness and you listen to those like very quote-unquote (laughs) thought-provoking audio longs, I was able to just kind of like, eh. (laughs) Like, read into them what I want to read into them. But I feel like they're supposed to be profound. I don't know. I think he has very good... Uh, he's very good at designing games. Yeah. And he has very good thoughts on the designing of games. But I think he's kind of an asshole up his own asshole. Yeah. And a sort of Ouroboros, if you will. <laughs> Welcome to issue. An
0: Ouroboros of ass-eating. <laughs> are we as Your,
1: explicit podcast now that we've hit episode 50
0: <laughs> we're in our old age now that, this is that the rebellious year <laughs> uh, somebody was like the Ouroboros is the perfect mascot for millennials because it's like semi-intelligent but really not as deep as you think it is and it's always eating its own butt
1: <laughs> alright
0: call me out Oh, are we really starting, though?
1: Yeah, we can start whenever. Oh, okay. The problem is there's a reality out there, and that reality is actually <laughs> kind of harsh. They don't care about your game. We, d- we wish they did, but they don't. It's nice if you have a community. It's nice if you have friends. But the number one thing is making something that is interesting to people, and I wish we worked harder at that. Jonathan Blow, 2019. Hello.
0: Welcome to Double Issue.